Sauron is Lord of the Rings, right? Not Harry. Do you ever get Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, those signals crossed in your head? No. Never? No. It happens with me. Well, both of them have some uptight British fantasia going on there. Don't don't at me. Journos, a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. It's a weekend. It's a lovely weekend. It's the spring, Stephen. Thinking about here as the spring unfolds into the summer, what time means Mm -hmm. with all of these things going on, I think is a pretty good way to get into our topic for today's show, which is... What? Black holes, Steve. I knew that. Yeah, I know. I knew that. Black holes. Um, Everyone's favorite science topic that no one really understands. For sure. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's everyone's favorite topic, right? It's like this great unknown... And it's, you know, it's a black hole. It's like, I mean, what's more emblematic of the great unknown than a collapsed star who's uh, that's become so dense and the forces of gravity become so profound that not even light can escape them? Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful metaphor. And for a long time, people thought that it was sort of a metaphor, right? Yeah. Before there was any real proof that one existed it was just Mm -hmm. numbers on a page that had to exist for the theory of relativity to work and then for quantum theory to work like there has to be a point at which all this information collapses into a point and that's all very confusing for us it is it's one of those things where it's this extremely important seminal piece of information about the way the universe works but we're like i don't know we yeah. don't know. But back in 2019, you remember what happened. Do I? First no. ever black hole image. Image, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The little fuzzy donut. It was like the eye of Sauron. It was the eye so, of Sauron. So, Sauron? Sauron? Sauron. Sauron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like that. I mean, but like a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah. In a creepy way. Yeah. So black holes are basically one of the oldest things in the universe. There's no real news to a black hole. They're just out there. We sort of notice them, and if we do, that's newsy. But in general, they kind of just keep doing what they're doing. So, but when there is a little piece of news that changes our understanding about black holes, it is pretty cool. In this case, Stephen, the recent news that black holes may actually be hairy. What? Yeah. What yeah. are they called? They're called hairy black holes. <laughs> no. And so what that means is that they're, Stephen, is a quantum... Hair that emerges from that allows for that, black that holes to be so identified. Gross. To pay attention, to be identified. <laughs> Stephen, do you have any questions so yeah, far? Yeah, it's a lot, and they okay. don't have to do with science. No, ask the science ones. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm just. I, I'm. I'm completely arrested by the Mm-mm. name here. That no. a hairy okay. black hole. Okay. So what is a black hole? A black hole is essentially <sighs> a collapsed star, right? Okay. When a star reaches a certain size and age, it collapses yeah. under the weight of its own gravity, yeah. and that force of gravity is such that it can do a number of things. It can turn into a white dwarf or a black dwarf, uh, a number of different kinds of dwarfs or other things. But All it right. can also become a black hole, which is an object of intense gravitational pressure, such that essentially the laws of the universe sort of reach their end. You can't mm-hmm. you can't get more gravity than a black hole. It's super intense. They absorb all the light and everything yeah. around them. Nothing can, in theory, escape the gravitational field of the black hole. And when something gets pulled into the sort of whirlpool of the black hole, all this kind of weird quantum stuff happens. Like if yeah. you're approaching the 
what's called event horizon or edge of the black hole, yeah. time starts to expand. And then once you fall in, it all collapses toward a singularity. It's insane. I Also, yeah. do you remember that freaking movie, man? The black hole? No. Event horizon? I didn't see that one. Oh, but I God. thought it had a it, cool name. It screwed me up, man. I was in like ninth grade or something and me and my friend like smoked some weed and and we like, we watched this movie and I'm still like shook up from it. It's freaking scary. eyes to see. What are you talking about? I created the event horizon to reach the stars. But she's gone much, much farther than that. But hmm. I I also don't like scary movies because I get too scared. <laughs> You're both the best and worst customer for yeah. horror films. They, they work too not. well on me. They yeah, work so scared. well that I just can't watch them. So there is this entire genre of film and entertainment about which I know nothing. Not unlike, Brandon, the inside of a black hole. The inside of a black hole. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it sounds like the hairy black holes help solve a bit of a hairy problem that has persisted. Um, and in order to understand the significance of the hairy black hole... <laughs> Steven... <laughs> Let's push past this. In, in order to understand the significance of the hairy black holes, uh, I think we also need to get a quick primer on two other things. The first is the general theory of relativity, and the second is quantum theory. So um, I will promise not to laugh about your hairy black hole uh, oh for a little bit if you can just sort of uh, help me bone up on those two topics. Sure. Uh, theory of relativity, of course, that's Einstein's great theory that mm -hmm. says basically that matter and energy are connected and that time is relative and is somewhat a function of gravity. It essentially describes the behavior of really big things and how stuff moves in the universe and how it's influenced by gravity. Mm -hmm. That's a very short version. Quantum theory comes along and says, what about really, really small objects, atoms, subatomic particles? And a lot of that is about where things are at any given point in time. Like an atom isn't just a thing moving around in a place. It's more like a probability. It all comes down to information. And again, yeah. this is all very math-based. So without going way off the deep end, essentially, like how does the math account for the fact that you have a black hole that supposedly sucks everything in, but we know that matter can't be created or destroyed, right? So the idea that information or matter or whatever gets sucked in and disappears forever doesn't make sense. It doesn't jive with theories of physics. So okay. when somebody figures out something or thinks they figure out something about the black hole, then everybody gets really excited. In this case, these four researchers at the University of Sussex published a paper in which they said, no, no, there's a way to reconcile the fact that information is sucked into the black hole, but does produce something that makes it special. Hair. <laughs> and yes, it got called hair. It got called hair. It got called hair. That's nobody's uh, fault, Stephen. That's nobody's fault. That's just yeah. what it was called. Well, also, um, just so we don't get ourselves into too much trouble, quantum theory also referred to as quantum mechanics. Don't yeah. want to... Mm -hmm. You know what I don't want to do? I don't want to split... Quantum hairs. Quantum hairs, yeah. Right. So, quantum hair. It starts with this theory developed they don't, by... they don't smell great, you know? It starts with this theory <laughs> developed by Professor John Archibald Wheeler at Princeton 
in, in the 1960s, which was called the no hair theorem. Why is okay. it called the no hair theorem? It has nothing to do with hair, Stephen. Uh-huh. It's just about the mathematical description of a black hole, right? So sure. the idea is that you can't learn anything about the previous state of the black hole from looking at it, which doesn't make a lot of sense for physics, right? Like uh, if an egg is broken on the floor, there's some things you can determine about its previous state. Like, well, uh, it must have fallen from a great height. Mm-hmm. I mean, or any height, really. Those yeah. eggs will crack. Any height. Pretty easily. So that was called the no hair theorem. There was no <laughs> details about the black hole that could okay. be significant enough. Okay? Got it. Okay. So here comes Professor Xavier Calmet of the University of Sussex. He and his mm-hmm. team proposed what's called the yes hair theorem about the black holes. This always like trips me up because it's like the people are like so... It's like the, obviously the smartest dudes in the world, but they come up with stuff that's like these these really sort of basic names, right? It's sort of, I feel like uh, it's kind of a weird flex, you know what I mean? Uh, like when they, they're so smart that they can name it something really dumb because it's like, well, we're just so smart. Yes, I think that's true. Yeah. You're just trying to keep it simple. You know, you still want to talk about this stuff at the bar. Anyway, yeah. so what does the yes hair theorem say? What did these guys come up with? Well, they say when the star collapses that becomes the black hole, it actually leaves evidence in the gravitational field around it, which they're mm. calling quantum hair. The hair, yeah. Right. And that's a way of allowing there to be some sort of quality to the black hole without having to violate either one of these theories. So you yeah. can know something about the previous state of the black hole and you also get all of the theoretical bonuses of stuff still falling into the black hole. Forever. Yeah. So what's important about that? Like, what what does all of that potentially point to? It's just about a consistency to physics. Everybody's been running around trying to find a theory that mm-hmm. allows for there to be some information that escapes that yeah. solves these mathematical things. Yeah. And so for us to try and explain it, unfortunately, for the sake of being grown-ups, mm-hmm. it means we have to sometimes rely on metaphors that are yeah. a little bit goofy, a little yeah. bit silly. Harry you got to use hole. language to talk about this stuff. That's all there is to it, Stephen. Is that the use... type? Is that the specific type of language we have to use? That's what they have chosen, and we, as the public who respect science, Stephen, yeah. have to, you know, well, run with that. We, we as to, the public who we have to go res- with that. We, as the public that respects science, that's not everyone, though. All right. Look, Stephen, here's the thing about it. Okay. Here's why I was trying to get through the story in a mature and responsible and clear-headed way. Because I okay. feel like mm-hmm. science is at an interesting point right now where yeah. there has been some doubt about it, particularly in the last two years of the pandemic. And people are maybe a little bit more skeptical about science. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying not to dwell on the fact that Science and therefore scientists can be a little perverted, can be a little silly, can be very nerdy and goofy. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I was going for. Yeah. And, but like also people are like not really, there's like this whole thing like trust the science. We don't trust science. Isn't that like, a, that's like a big thing right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I is think, ridiculous, kinda, I think. It, it really is. And I also think it's a little bit overblown. I mean, we've spent the last couple of years thinking about how scientists, medical experts come on TV. They tell us what we need to do about the pandemic, mm-hmm. about COVID-19. And we do some of that stuff or we don't do it. And everybody loses their minds if information changes 
um, or if it turns out to be wrong or whatever. So we have a weird relationship with science. For me, I thought that trust in science was going to be at an all-time low. Well, yeah. I mean, another thing about this, like, weird mistrust in science is that it's kind of whack-a-mole. You're like, or or you get to select which bits you like and which bits you don't, you know? It's like suddenly it's like, oh, we don't trust the doctors or the vaccines and all that shit. But then it's like if you get sick, like you're definitely going to a doctor, right? It's so clearly a result of like misinformation, disinformation, right? Because it, it, it at its core, the, the whole premise of like trusting science or not like sort of falls apart, right? Sure, yeah. Well, and it's like with the black holes, mm-hmm. it's a hypothesis a lot of the times. So it's a guess, yeah. It's not anybody saying this is definitely the absolute honest to God truth. This is the best thing we know at this moment. Could it change? Yeah. Yes. And so it's yeah. always about setting expectations. Totally. In fact, according to a Gallup poll from July of last year, 64% of U.S. adults have quite a lot of confidence in science. Oh. But that was compared with 70% when Gallup measured it 40 years ago. So it's gone down a little bit. A little bit. But not like mm-hmm. where we, I mean, that, and that's kind of part of like, the media fueling these divisions right between us you know as mm-hmm. a society like it's probably not as bad as it appears i think so yeah that's a great data point i like that yeah yeah and most of that in the united states anyway is fueled by partisan disagreement so sure. from that 1975 survey gallup did republican confidence in science has fallen 27 percentage points independents mm-hmm. have dropped eight But then Democrats' confidence has gone up 12 points. So this 34-point party gap in confidence is basically among the largest, according to the study. Sure. But I wonder if there is a connection between, like, how strongly religious people are and then, like, their trust in science, right? I wonder if, and especially if you have a more hardcore, like, Christian right if then you're going to be seeing less of a trust in science because there's like a lot of faith stuff that gets involved there too. I don't know. Absolutely. As science moves along and explains more and more of the universe. Yeah. Up to and including hairy black holes, potentially, <laughs> potentially offering uh-huh. a reason. Uh, yeah. You do find that there's an increased secularization. You don't have to rely on myth and yeah. superstition as much. Um, and people are pushing back against that. Well, also, I mean, again, I think there's also differences there between, like, you know, a, a sort of this idea of religious faith and all of that stuff. Like, the fact that faith demands, you know, sort of this, you know, all-powerful God, right? And to that point, as we learn more about the fabric of the universe and the reality of things, that in turn, you know, brings the infallibility or rather the omnipresence and all-knowing quality of a Judeo-Christian God into question. That's right, yeah. And it also says, hey, here are questions that have not been answered mm-hmm. yeah. in your previously existing text. How do you reconcile this new information? Yeah. Along with that idea of who's running the show, there was a Pew study that came out in February mm-hmm. 2020 that showed that kind of across the board where people were uncomfortable with science was that it was, quote, concerned about the loss of human control, especially if such developments would be at odds with personal, religious, and ethical values. Yep. So there there you go. go. So hey. So yeah, when you think about control and the loss of control and the idea that science is overwhelming with new possibilities and discoveries that are scary, this Pew study asked Americans about whether they'd be interested in having a brain chip implant 
which mm-hmm. would give them improved cognitive abilities. 69% said they were worried about it, and only 34% were enthusiastic. Yeah, I feel like the next piece of that is like, well, technology does all of that stuff anyways. It's enhanced and Apple Watch does a lot of that stuff, etc. There's something about like the implantation, I think, that still feels uh, very sci-fi and very like potentially dangerous right like all of a sudden like your brain chip gets hacked and then you're just this like messed up automaton or something like that like that also feels like i don't know i don't know if i'm ra- i'm not ready for i don't are you you do the brain chip thing mm, i don't think so no. i wouldn't be the first in line i mean i didn't even get a smartphone right away so maybe i'm not the best person to ask but you know you're right because in the study two out of ten or fewer U.S. adults, mm-hmm. said that they thought scientists were transparent about potential yeah. conflicts of interest. So where mm-hmm. it comes into the realm of, like, corporate influence and, like, scientists potentially being allied with people who are trying to sell you something, yeah. that's where the trust starts to sort of break down. Yeah. It is worth saying that confidence in science is still very high. Yeah. That... Three quarters of Americans think science has had a mostly positive effect on society. Mm-hmm. 82% say that future scientific developments are going to benefit us in years to come. Good. And that confidence in science, Stephen, is among the highest uh, of all of these institutions that were polled in this Great. survey behind what? Small business and the military. What? Yeah, go figure. That took a weird turn there. Yeah. Who could say? So people trust small business? Yeah, it's an institution that is trustworthy, that is committed to positives for society in general. That's it's not weird. corrupt in it's, some that, weird way. Just the, the notion of small, that, that's yeah. bullshit, right? I mean, I'm just saying like the idea, like, oh, I trust, like that's also feels like a weird part of like the survey. It is, yeah, it is true. People could say like, oh, you know what I trust? Ice cream yeah. above all else, because yeah. Yeah, I just know what I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. Small business, military, scientist. What the yeah. hell does that mean? Yeah, fair. Even you now don't trust the science of the poll. I don't trust the poll because of that little cockamamie part at the end there. All right, fine. Well, okay. anyway, don't let that disturb your enthusiasm for the latest information about the, the hairy, hairy black, black hole, holes. which is very fascinating yeah. and worth watching how the discussion Certainly. unfolds and, and yep. what it might mean. for us we've now satisfied (laughs) we have absolutely satisfied the story as it is and that's pretty much it that's where things stand with all of physics as it stands today and i'm very satisfied with that explanation everything's going great and so that's it it's just a little story about a potentially huge development in physics and that's as far as we need to talk about it for now big Big, nothing else. Uh, nothing else. Hairy black holes. No, no there's no other things there's that we should just, talk about. We don't want to talk about no. the name. We no, don't want to talk about no, how no. it's just gross. No, no. So how science it sounds uh, a lot. has it learned a, a little lot, bit today. A lot like a butthole. No. Okay. So, uh, so this has been Journos. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. So you, much. of course, are Stephen Jackson. I and uh, I we'll think, see you next time. Oh, seriously. Journos is produced by holes. Heather Eagliers Wilson. I'm not going to let this go. I refuse to let this go. You're still here. We got to talk about this, man. Do you want to finally, t- you have to acknowledge that this, the name is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's a silly name. Why stop uh-huh. at Harry Blackhole? Like, why no. can't it, everything yeah, has to no. be So this has down. been, this has been Journos. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds and Between you, of course, this are and Stephen the Jackson. Between this and the poll and the 
weird names. Journos is produced by I, Heather Eagle Ears Wilson. Can we please talk about the names? Come on. Oh, fine. Can we yes. please do this? Okay, yes. Look. Humor me. You yeah. just took me through this right. You saw how upset I was at the end. Yeah. And now here we are on the oh. other end of the show. We're kind of past the event horizon. You know, the jingle, the outro music yes. is like the event, her, you know, is the edge of that black hole. We've gone yes. through it. Mm. And now we are on the other end of this episode. Yes. So we're beyond try- the veil. We've pierced the veil. I was trying to avoid dwelling on the silly nonsense part yeah. of the science thing because I didn't want to contribute to a further distrust of science. Sure. Okay. Yes, scientists can be nerds and weirdos yeah. and have some fun perverted ideas. When you're doing research, you know, you get bored. Mm-hmm. You want to have a little wordplay. Sure. You screw around a bit. Great. And as it turns out, Stephen, science is lousy with bunch of crazy nonsense built really? into the naming conventions. Oh my god, no. I know I know what we're going to do. Are we yeah. going to do what I think we're going to do? Steven, you want to do a quiz? Yay! Great. All right, so we're going to do this quiz. Now, what you have to understand, Steven, is that as far as naming an animal, if you discover it, you can basically name it after whatever you want. Like yep. scientists often name things after themselves. This is the one thing I do know. Gary Larson, popular cartoonist, yeah. right? Far side. He has he has a louse named after him. A Strigophilus Gary Larceny. There you go. So now, Stephen, let's get into it. The 2022 Quiz of Weird Science Names. Love it. With your host, me. Yep. And your perennial guest, you, Stephen Jackson. Hey! First question. Which of these, Stephen, is a real scientific name? Okay. A. Dongus Grandificus. <laughs> B. Agrabunda annoying <laughs> Or C, Turtus Maximus? Okay. Uh, I think Turtus Maximus is out just because that, that's too ridiculous. Um, Dongus? What was the first one? Dongus Grandificus. <laughs> like a big dong? So that feels... I, the other one, I'd say the... I, I want to say the middle one. What is it again? Agrabunda annoying yeah I, f- I feel like that's like the name for like a tiny fly like a like a like a weird gad you know like a weird sort of fly that annoying is fly. buzz sure. yeah buzzing in your ear yeah that's a great guess going with b that's the wrong answer no right answer turtus maximus no way yes, what sir. is it turtus maximus steven Turdus is uh, the name that the Romans gave to members of the thrush family. Oh, Spe- like like a yeast thing? family of birds. No, oh. uh, no, it, that's the unfortunate other thing. The Romans called this particular family of birds, which includes the thrush, yeah, Turdus. So you have a couple of different funny names in there. But for the sake of this quiz, the Tibetan blackbird is mm. kind of big. And so has been stuck with the name Turtus Maximus. That's fun. All right. This is great. Question number two. Okay. You ready? Yep. Which cartoon character has a creature named after it? A. Scooby-Doo. B. SpongeBob SquarePants. C. Yoshi from Mario Brothers. Yoshi. Final answer? Yes. Wrong. SpongeBob SquarePants. Ah. SpongeBob SquarePants. Is that the sponge that they found that looks that that's the the real life thing? Remember this from like uh, six months ago? They found like a real life 
It's like a sponge and then that red coral, the red mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. But you remember what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ironically, there was already something that was named after SpongeBob, so that one couldn't be named after it, presumably. Is it a sponge? Spongiforma squarepantsii is a species of mushroom found in 2010 in Malaysia. Okay. Surprising scientists with a spongy appearance. And okay. they went ahead and named it after SpongeBob. Interesting. Doing good. Got doing it. Good. No, I'm doing... I, I, I couldn't be doing worse. I mean, if you're trying to win... And if you Question care number about three. <laughs> Which of these is a real name? Okay. A. Jelly Bean. B. E2 Brutus. C. Pizza Pie. I want to say E2 Brutus. Like it's like E, like it's like a strain of strep or something like that. That's a good guess. Yeah. That's a good guess. But the answer is you're right. What? Yeah. No yeah. way. I mean, am I like right be- for the right reason? Well, it's not a strain of fungus, but it is a beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll yeah, take e- the win. In fact, all of them are real. Oh, Each and every one, one. of those. Mm-hmm. Jelly bean, oh. G-E-L-A-E-B-A-E-N is a round fungus beetle. Looks like a jelly bean. The E2 brutus is a myxophagan beetle. A lot of beetles in the animal yeah. kingdom, so okay. you got to figure out names. And so many. Pizza pie, P-I-E-Z-A-P-I, is a fly. Oh. So all of these are great, right? But still, it doesn't help the, the like the cause of the hairy butthole or whatever, or the hairy black hole. Because it's like, these are just fun. Nobody's getting gross or sexual with it. I guess, you you know, with the, the Dongus Maximus or whatever that was. Yeah. But, well, what I'm saying is it sounds like there's a, there's a, these people over in the black hole sphere, are, they're a bit untoward. That's fair. Let me ask you this last and final question, and then you'll see that the perversion, such as it is, may... Yeah. Uh, is extend. pervasive? Is pervasive. Pervasive perversion. Pervasive right. perversion sounds like a, like a Rod Stewart album or something. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Yeah. It's dipped in gold. <laughs> nice. Doing good. All right. Uh, number four. A horsefly was named after Beyonce. Mm-hmm. It's called Scaptia Beyonce. Yeah. Stephen. Why? Uh, because if the science, if the, if the scientists liked it, they should have put a ringworm on it. There you go. There you go. That's a very good guess. Okay, so are you asking me why they they named the horsefly after Beyonce? Yeah, I can give you some three options if you'd like, but I thought you might want to spitball this one. Sure. Uh, that there is a horsefly. I'm kind of at a lot. I mean, maybe is there a racehorse named Beyonce or something? I feel like that could be like a one of those, you know, those weird... Another place where people just have a ball naming stuff is in the horse racing community. That's for but, sure. Um, so now that's not right either. I'm going to give you three options. Here you go. This quiz was supposed to be fun. Yeah. I'm having a great time. I'm a, not, I, I, I am too, actually. A, the fly was known as the prettiest horse fly in Australia, where it was discovered. B, it's got a great butt. Okay. Or C, its buzz was found to fall within the high note range of the hit song Single Ladies. Pretty's Horsefly. It's a great guess. Yeah. And it is a respectful guess. Yeah. And therefore it's wrong. Ah! 
Why? Fly was named in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let NBC News take it from here. Quote, the singer Beyonce was a member of the group Destiny's Child, which recorded the 2001 hit single Bootylicious. The fly got its bootyful name from its extreme diva feature, a big gold butt. Oh, my God. They also called it a glamorous golden rear end. Brian Lessard, a researcher from Australia's Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, got to name the thing. Okay. Beyonce, she's got it all. The baby, the man, the body, the looks. And as if things couldn't get any more super fly, she's had an insect named after her. A rare type of Australian horsefly, to be precise, with a shiny golden rear end. They both are strong, they have a strong presence, they're glamorous, as I said before. The singer hasn't yet commented on her namesake, but Brian Lessard insists she should be honoured. I definitely would be. Um, she joins the ranks of Charles Darwin, Bram Stoker, and even SpongeBob SquarePants, all who have species named after them. So, see, Stephen, science mm. has its head in the gutter all yeah. over the place. Jeez. I will also say that in this case, the media had such a great time spinning his statement, which is not that perverted, but they really played up that it was her butt, it was a booty thing, all of this. But it's worth noting that the fly was discovered in 1981 and went unnamed until 2012. Hmm. 1981, the year Beyonce was born. You always got to wonder, it's like when, when stuff like this happens, do people like think it's like this that decision is ever is, like did they were they aware that that decision was going to sift down to you and me like just like two buddies doing a doing a quiz on a podcast they must have known steven they must science have known. is nothing if not about trying to make predictions about the natural world maybe they did know and it's the one of these black hole quantum time things could be hey steven you did great you know what i had a lot of fun yeah and i learned something yes and yeah. we added some information to this pocket universe that we here have created. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Signing off from the void. See you next time or see you in the past. <laughs>